Welcome to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is Brother Todd Upshendik, uh, Evangelist and Camp Director at Kite River Revival Campgrounds. Thanks so much for joining us, Todd. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We've had several conversations about the camp ministry, and today's topic will be about uh, fostering an environment that encourages spiritual decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever you think of Bible camp, you think of the preaching, you think of, at least in my past, I think of the great spiritual decisions mm-hmm. that I have made in camp. And so for you know, our listeners and our watchers out there, um, maybe they're youth pastors and maybe they have a youth rally that you know they might host at their church. Yes. Maybe it's some kind of a just just being the youth pastor of the of that church and trying to have youth meetings and things. What are some things that those people can do uh, to foster also an environment for spiritual decisions among the young people? Sure. So, as a camp director, you're not the preacher no. of these camps, right? There's so, a guest speaker coming in. So, what role does the camp director have in fostering that environment? Sure. Well. I take my role very seriously when it comes to trying to break the ice with a group of young people. I'll call it breaking the ice or really getting them in the spirit of responding at an invitation. Mm -hmm. Everything that's done at camp is pointing to the decision at the altar at the end of the service. We Mm -hmm. want them to make godly decisions for Christ that will last. And in order for them to do that, I'm going to try to do everything uh, prior to them coming in my power to lend to a good week of camp. And uh, the first thing, obviously, would be bathed in prayer. And we will get the names of the campers that are coming and we'll ask that God would meet in a great way. Whenever I travel and present the camp, I'll ask people to pray for the different weeks of camp. I'll say, here's a list of the camps, and you may not come to all these camps, but I want you to hang this on your refrigerator and know that, oh, it's the second week of June at camp, they're having this camp. And here's the guest speaker that's preaching. And you can pray for the guest speaker, that he'd be spirit-filled, that God would move in a great way, that God would soften the hearts of the people that are coming to camp. Mm -hmm. That being said, we know it is God that can do the work. But we can develop an atmosphere to help uh, when they get to camp. We, we're out away from the things of the world, so we're eliminating mm-hmm. rock music, worldly influences, anything that could be a distraction to somebody. So we're already eliminating that. And uh, the first introduction I have to the group of people that I'll have for the week is the orientation. And when I get in there... I see a group of young people, let's say, and I and they come from every different walk of life. You have some that are come from broken homes. You have foster kids. You have people who don't know their parents. You have people that come from good homes. You have newly saved people. You might have people that are third and fourth generation Christians, okay? Mm-hmm. You don't know what walk of life they're coming from. But it is my goal and determination to take this group, to learn them as quickly as I can, to read them if I, if I can, and get them to respond in the invitation. And so, okay, so how, how, do you, how do you do that? Obviously, you're not the one preaching. You're not no, even I'm the not. one giving the invitation. No. So what, what can you do to prepare them? So the very first, I'll, I can gauge the temperature of the crowd I'll have for the week by the very first song we sing in orientation. The Bible tells us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
And if someone is willing to sing, sing from their heart to kind of uh, lose themselves a little bit, I know that they are receptive and I can work with that person. If they're refusing to sing, I can look at body language. They're sitting like this. They're kind of looking, they're disinterested or they're just unwilling to respond. I, I'll zero in on that person. I'll try to work on that person individually, but work on the whole. And what I, and, and it happens somewhat psychologically, but it, there's, there's nothing very deep about it. And we're not trying to manipulate a crowd per se, but if I can get them to sing from the heart, I know that they're going to have a tender heart to be receptive to the message that the preacher will bring. It might also come in the form of a game or an activity. And uh, let's say that I'm a camper and I'm from Missouri and you're sitting next to me and you're from Indiana and I've never met you. I don't know your name. I've never seen you before, but we get put on the same team for different games. And here you and I are now working together against this guy over here who we've never met. And uh, we're in a game of capture the flag and uh, a guy comes up behind me and you say, look out behind you, you have my back and I now have respect for you and, and we've worked together. You know, we have a common bond. We then get into the chapel and we still don't really know each other, but a skit happens and something funny happens and we laugh at it and we share another common bond and we're breaking the ice, we're breaking that barrier and I find out, hey, this guy's not so bad. He, and and you'd, be, you'd be surprised what friendships develop at camp. And, uh, and, and through that, I'm now uh, getting people, and now as I play the role of moderator in the service, I'm getting people to sing out. I want to get them responding. I'm going to play a game with them. I'm going to, and, and, and it might be something as simple as a chapel game where we're doing maybe an eating contest or something on the platform. All right, I need four people up here right away. I need one from each team. I want four girls. I want four boys. Team captain, send me someone up there. Okay, they're coming up for a game, right? That's all there is to it, right? Wrong. They have now gotten used to coming forward in the service. Guess what I'm going to ask them to do at the end of the invitation? Move forward. So they're already used to moving forward. They already feel more comfortable with the people that are around them. They've grown friendships. They've sang out. They know how to respond. Are you excited to be at camp? Say amen. Amen. That wasn't an amen. I want you to scream it. So what am I getting them to do? Respond in the service. And that'll lend. And my ultimate goal is to work with these people to soften their hearts, to get them more receptive to responding. So when I hand the mic off to the guest speaker and it's his time to preach, that he has a group of people that mm -hmm. he can do something with. He's not, it's not an ice cold crowd and uh, that he's got to grow rapport with before he can even preach to, he's, they're ready, they're pumped, they're motivated, they're ready to make decisions. And I take that job very seriously. Yeah, with teenagers especially, they're, they're worried about what their peers think of them, for yes. sure. And so if the first time that you ask them to respond in a service is during the invitation, it may not happen right away. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you're priming the pump. I got to be able to lose myself yeah. in that and not care about my own 
image, if you will. And sure. so I'm going to be able to lose myself. And I have done some silly things, some stupid things. Some, <laughs> I've, I've done skits and, and I've gotten more whipped cream pies in my face and in my ears than I want to even count. There's been times where I couldn't even hear properly for the next week because it was whipped cream was buried deep in my ears but all for the sake of the gospel, all for the sake of getting people to respond. And the crowd roars when Brother Todd gets that whipped cream pie in his face. So if that's what it takes, I'm going to do it, okay? And uh, I want to be able to do that to be able to get them to respond in the invitation. For any youth pastor that's out there, maybe they're running at their own youth conference in their church, maybe it's a youth rally, or maybe it's just their own youth group and some mm -hmm. kind of a meeting they have, a weekly or something like that, the key is, get these young people to respond. Yes. And if you can get them to respond in youth group, then when they get into the church service, yes. they're more likely to and, respond and then And there's as well. an aspect to that that, you, that almost has to be learned on the job. You cannot teach it. And that is that you've got to be able to read your crowd early on to know what will work for them. I've had back-to-back -back weeks of camp, and I've had this I don't remember what the game was, but I had this one game on the cha uh, in a uh, chapel game that I did that just blew the roof off the place. Everyone responded great. This was the best game ever. So I decided, hey, it worked so well, I'm going to use it the next week. So I did it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Get ready. I'm going to blow this out. And it was a dud. It was a failure. It, really? it, it, wow. it didn't work at all. And that's where you can't always be, you can't, it can't be taught, but you got to learn your crowd, the group of people you're, that you have and the ways they will respond. And what works for one group may not work for the other. But I'll tell you this, I can work with the, the people, the, the, the youth groups that benefit the most are the ones whose youth pastor, youth pastor and sponsor, their pastor, whoever comes with them, if they are involved, then the young people are going to be involved. They're going to cue off the spiritual temperature of the pastor, the youth pastor. If the pastor feels, and the youth pastor or their, their chaperone, whoever brought them, feels that their biggest job was to drive them there and drop them off and they're a taxi driver, and they spend the rest of the week just sitting back, all right, hope God does something with them. Guess what their response, the kids' are response is going to be, uh, well, I don't know, I don't, this is a really boring place. I mean, they have water slides and carnival games and lakes and everything, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not interested. They really mm. play off the temperature of their youth pastor and their pastor. And enough can't be said, I can't say enough about the importance of a youth pastor uh, preparing their young people for camp prior to them getting to camp, mm, yeah. but also losing themselves at camp, being involved in the games at camp. And you have my permission as a youth pastor, as a pastor, to sock anyone in the eye who says to you when you get back, how much did you enjoy your vacation? this Because <laughs> it is anything short of a vacation. Yeah. You're going to go home exhausted. And I love the comments at the end of the week when a youth pastor says to me, oh, day five. This is exhausting. I'm ready to go home. And I say, guess what? It's day 45 for me. <laughs> Just let that sink in, you know? And it's so, it's so true. We'll go, and it becomes supernatural. That's the only way you can get through a summer of camp, running 16-hour days and keeping up with yeah. the groups that come. The first group that comes, uh, they come 100% charged up. Well, then they leave that week, and you your battery drains to 
to zero. But then the next week, there's another group, and they're 100% charged up. Well, guess what? You're only, you only rebound to 90%. And the third week, you only rebound to 80% and 50 And you've got to make it look like you're excited whether you are or not. Yeah. But it's such an important job in cultivating and getting a group of people ready to make a decision. And every aspect of camp is pointed to that place of decision. It might seem like chaos, it might, but it's controlled chaos. It might seem like a silly, stupid game, but it's got a purpose. And we'd like to try to appeal to every sense, uh, a person's sense when they're at camp, what they see, what they hear, there's always good music playing in the background, Mm -hmm. what they feel, what they touch, every aspect of camp, because they're gonna leave with memories that'll last for a lifetime and hopefully decisions that will last for eternity. What you just said um, reminded me that this application be made to the home as well, parents with their children. Um, If you want your children to make godly decisions, then you've got to surround them with their senses, with good godly music at home. Absolutely. Um, You've got to make sure that you you have a... There's something to be said for a clean home, clean environment. I'm sure you're conscious of that at the camp. Things have to look neat, look nice. Um, otherwise, you know, people just don't respond as well when things are cluttery and things right. like that. Right, and, and uh, you, can, you can hit a home run in the element of the best speaker coming. Mm-hmm. And you can hit a home run in uh, the accommodations. But you know what people, when, when asked later on, uh, how was your week at camp? You might have knocked it out of the park in nine aspects. But if someone's, well, it was good, but those beds were really hard. You're thinking to yourself, I did everything I could to make that week at camp productive and spiritually uh, appealing to them. And, uh, but, but it's human nature to look at the negative instead of the positive. Sure. That's why it's so important to have everything looking presentable, everything to the best of your ability looking and being as best as you can because it, you're not representing yourself. You're representing Christ and uh, you're representing your own church as you do this as a ministry to other people. And they see and people notice those different things. And um, you don't want something trivial and something small to take their emphasis off on what is the most important thing, and that being the preaching of God's Word. I'm going to put you on the spot. We're almost out of time. Can you think of a particular camper or somebody that you know made an incredible spiritual decision and it's impacted their entire life? Uh, years later, maybe it was uh, a maybe it was maybe one of the volunteer helpers you had at the camp. Yes. Maybe it was a camper. Can you talk about that spiritual environment and how well, it affected them? You know, I th- I'm going to get into an answer there, but I spend a week with these young people, one week out of 52 in the year, and so I get a snapshot of their life, and they come and they're gone, and I really admire the pastor, the youth pastor who works with them on a continual basis. And they might say, Brother Todd, we made all those great decisions at camp. And the pastor's thinking, yeah, but I'm the one who prayed for them year, week in and week out. I'm the one who who had to correct them and get on them. And I'm the one, yeah, and then I might get the glory position, the spotlight, because mm-hmm. that was the point they made in the decision. Yeah. So I really want to give credit where credit's due. And then on the back end of that, a lot of times I don't know what happens with that decision once they leave camp. Sometimes we'll hear stories about it, but a lot of times I don't know from 
year from years down the road what decision that that had that impacted that young person for Christ but ultimately the ones that I really feel like that I had the most impact on were the ones that spent the summer with me on summer staff and I'll get I get some of the most amazing stories and in um, in letter form uh, from a staff member at the end of the summer brother Todd I came and I real and I never had a walk with God and now I'm leaving having read my Bible and prayed every single day and I promise you and God I will not go back on that that I'm going to keep my personal devotions with God and that means so much to me uh, brother Todd I've been dealing with bitterness in my life about a circumstance and God gave me the victory this summer and um, I've got files and files of heart-wrenching letters that you could read and I like looking back on those when it gets hard when it gets difficult when I think about quitting I've got a treasure chest and it really is it's a treasure chest that I keep my office and it's piled with decision cards with notes from campers little girls who say brother Todd I, I love you and now they're married and I love <laughs> pulling those out and showing it to their, uh, their husbands you know they were little girls and they wrote it things like that and um, there's missionaries on the mission field today that made life-changing decisions at camp there's young people in Bible college right now um, who didn't have much of a future and they came to camp and God spoke to their heart and they got on fire for God they got serious for God at camp and uh, eternity will only tell the result that camp has had but I'll tell you this, as I travel and present the ministry at different churches, if I ask for a show of hands of how many of you adults have made a life-changing decision at camp, would you raise your hand? Hands go up everywhere. And no doubt people come to me afterward and say, I got saved at this camp. I got called to preach. And I said, yeah, you're the pastor, though. Yeah, that's the impact that camp has had in my life. And it has for generations. And Lord willing, we hope... It to be that, that cultivated ground that seed can easily grow for Christ. Amen. Well, thanks so much for talking with us about the camp ministry, Brother Todd. And you can find out uh, about uh, Brother Todd's ministry at Kite River Revival Campgrounds online. Check out their website and check out the camp schedule for 2021 and many years to come as well. Thanks so much for being a part.